Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Fibro Animal Health, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rode, your host for today's episode. Today, we're joined by Tom Pastor to talk about bugs. How are you doing today, Tom? Doing well, Matthew. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this one. We met back right before COVID, and I had heard a ton of great things from producers who were using your products. So I'm excited to talk a little bit more about those. Um, With biosecurity being such a big deal today, and I I just don't think there's a better time for, for talking about this. So before we get started, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself, your background, and how you got involved into animal agriculture. Sure thing, Matthew. Yeah, um, I actually grew up in Pittsburgh and um, from a non-farm background and ended up going to study animal science at Penn State University. Um, graduate of 1986 from there with a bachelor of science degree in animal production. And from there, I got involved in the swine industry. Uh, never raised pigs in my life. And the interest of animals was always something I enjoyed by having pets when I was younger. But from there, I, I joined and went to work for DeKalb Swine Breeders uh, when they existed back in the 80s and yeah. lived in Plains, Kansas for uh, almost two years. And then the opportunity brought me back to my home state where I still reside here in Pennsylvania, working for a smaller uh, production entity at the time. And then um, we changed our breeding stock to PIC, and one of the representatives came to me and said, we need a PIC rep in the Northeast. And I took that on as a career for 20 years. And in that 20 years, of talk about bugs, like you brought up earlier. Um, when I was in the farms, I started seeing more and more flies and spiders and all these things. And as we started working into a world of having more employees involved in these bigger farms, uh, these bugs become an issue. And that said, uh, Central Life Sciences, who's the company I work for, uh, has developed a um, insect growth regulator, and we could talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah. And uh, they came and needed somebody that knew something about the swine industry because when EPA gave us the license to put it for use in swine, they didn't have anybody on their team that knew anything about pigs. They were all mostly cattle guys. And while they're very good professionals on the cattle side, I knew more on the pig side, which allowed me to join. And I've been part of Central Life Sciences for a little over seven years now, and it's been exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more about Central Life Sciences and and what they do in their background? Sure thing. Um, We're actually owned by Central Garden and Pet, which is uh, our mother company. Uh, Their offices are located in uh, in the San Francisco area. And um, if you go to like a Lowe's or Home Depot's and you see grass seeds and KT bird seeds and Nyla Bone Chew uh, toys uh, for dogs, uh, all that pet and garden stuff is owned by them. And we're a 
subsidiary of that called Central Life Sciences. And what it is, we're central to insect control. That's that's our that's our main purpose is making products and then making new products and making them better to control insect populations and in all vectors in whether it's agriculture, whether it's PCO with um, exterminators, uh, whether it's municipalities with mosquito controls, we're a very diverse group that way. We have business units that that entertain all those different areas. Um, so they, it's been almost 50 years now that we were the inventors of uh, feed-through insect growth regulators uh, that be able to use in mammalian uh, species, yeah. horses, sheep and goats, swine, and and then of course uh, cattle. So to go back, you had no agricultural upbringing, and you went to school for ag science. Why? What made you get into it? And then why swine coming out of that? Well, yeah, interesting. Said I'll try to keep this very brief. Um, I had a guidance counselor in high school that when you got into the end of your junior year in high school, he would pull you in and ask you what direction of life you were heading. In. And I've always had a love for animals, wildlife, uh, mostly because not being around livestock animals as much growing up. And my interest was, is, hey, maybe to get into wildlife science. And at the time, uh, Penn State was getting more and more students from non-farm backgrounds into their agricultural program. And he really was the one um, that guided me to say, hey, maybe you ought to look at that as a career. And once at Penn State, um, I looked at what was going to help me move my career. I just, over time, I didn't want to be somebody who was just, don't take this the wrong way, of just fitting cattle or showing sheep or something. I wanted to have more to my career than that. And at the time, the pig industry was really starting to grow, changing during the, the 1980s, you know. And uh, I think that's what took me my way, and the opportunity came for me to go. And I did what thirty-five plus years in the swine industry. That's awesome. So before we get into the topic today, I have a few uh, questions I'd like to ask. The first one would be, and it kind of sounds like Penn State's going to be the answer. But what's your D one school that you root for? Oh, it, actually, I root a lot for Pitt. Uh, growing oh. up there, um, my sister went to Pitt. Um, okay, to West Virginia. University. And of course, I went to Penn State, but I follow a lot of Pitt sports as well. I mean, Penn State, they're, they're, they're not like we don't cheer for them. You know, I yeah. do stuff like that. I'm not the biggest wrestling fan. So I, you know, even though their, their program is probably the best in the country, correct? Um, I don't follow them as much, but football, basketball, I do play. Yeah. Okay. What is your go to karaoke song if somebody made you go up on stage? <laughs> Oh man, you threw me on a one on that one. Um, it's probably comfortably numb by Pink Floyd. There you go. <laughs> I am what, a huge Pink Floyd fan. What is your go-to actor or actress uh, or or movie? Um, I can't really honestly say I'm a big movie buff. I'm okay. not much of a Hollywood go-to type guy. Just uh, those. Those folks never really grew on me to have an interest. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> You're good. What is your go-to light beer or go-to beer? I am an IPA lover. Okay. I have to go to a light beer. I'll, I'll go to a Coors Light. But craft breweries has been amazing business in this country. 
And um, we actually, my wife and I belong to a couple of them out here in central Pennsylvania. Uh, but we, wherever I get a chance to visit a craft brewery, I do. I just love IPA. Have you, have you ever tried a sour? Yeah. Um, do you like those? Not too bad. Um, my son has a little bit better taste buds for those. He brews his own beer and stuff like that. And he, he likes a sour. So I, I don't, do you as like sours? Yeah. I, like, I mean, I like, I like most beer, uh, but uh, they have a, a sour near you called Victory Sour Monkey. Yep. And, and that stuff's that stuff's pretty good. You can't get it out here, but that stuff's yep. pretty good. Yep. It, it's crazy though. I think it's like twelve something percent per can. So it's it's potent and sour and pretty crazy. Yeah. Victory's a good good craft brew place. I've been there many times. They got some good beers. So to get back into the topic here today, um why use a feed through IGR? Um with as a producer. Can you talk a little bit about that and and how Clarefly works? Sure thing. Yeah. Uh we always ask the same question, you know, why why use a feed through IGR? And an ins- and IGR is insect growth regulars for those listeners who may are wondering what that three letters stand for. And um in the swine industry, uh it's ease of use. Uh it's a feed through. Uh my motto that I use is let the pigs do the work for you. Uh, your employees can spend more time doing production work, you know, day one pig care, breeding, instead of worrying about spraying flies and baiting flies. Because although our company does sell those products through the Starbar brand, um, when you're working in a farm like that and you have employees who need to pay attention to production, the last thing you want is them spending a lot of time with sprays and baits and, and, yeah. and especially in the unit around the animal as well, too. Uh, so. It's ease of use. Um, it limits the sprays. Uh, the product has no withdrawal on any age pig. So that's another very plus to it. Some products have withdrawal times. Ours does not. You don't need a VFD because we're EPA controlled, which is the labels already exist on that. So no VFDs needed. Uh, a lot of good things um, from a standpoint of, you know, with EPA following their guidelines. And with the guidelines, our labels are listed there, and we tell our customers follow the label. You must follow it. So, what what is an IGR? Can you talk a little bit more about what that is and how that works? Sure thing. So, Clarify is is an IGR, and an insect growth regular is what we're doing is stopping the cycle of the insect. And in this case, we'll talk about flies, which is what the Clarify product is used to control, and what what the, the molecule does, it's a biochemistry, biorational molecule, and it's a chitin synthesis inhibitor. And what that big term means is when the flies' eggs hatch into the first instar larva, they start developing towards a pupae. And during them stages, they start laying down chitin before they go into the pupa state. The molecule disrupts that chitin from forming. And what chitin is, if, if, if a listener would, would look at their fingernail, the hardness of the fingernails is basically the exoskeleton of the insect. What the molecule basically creates is the chitin not to develop, so the exoskeleton doesn't develop. And when the larvae goes to the pupa stage, it cannot hatch because it does not have an exoskeleton formed to become an adult. That's how an insect growth regulator works. 
uh, in in insects that go from larvae to pupae. You know, a, there's just a little off track, but it's interesting for people to know this. A roach, a cockroach, bait, has babies. The eggs hatch into little nymphs and they grow into maturity. So they're different than a fly because a fly has an egg, goes into a larvae stage, then to a boom, hatches an adult, just like a butterfly. Yeah. Well, roach don't do that. So you have to approach them differently, you know, from an insect growth regulator standpoint. And hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit too. Well, you sure can. Awesome. So Clarify, when did it start and, and how, how has that been going? Can you talk a little bit about that product and, and what you've seen in the marketplace? Sure. So two of the uh, bio-rational biochemistry molecules we have, um, first one started in a product called Altacid which was developed for the hornfly control on beef cattle and pasture. Uh, most people know the hornflies, the little black flies that live on the back of the cattle, they usually go down underneath and they'll bite on the udders. And that can basically affect the, the female from milking better and, and affect weaning weights on cattle. So what happened was, is there was an additional development of how do we get the multi-species with different flies, space flies, stable flies, house flies, fruit flies. While the Eltacid product does not control all those other flies, we developed another molecule that did, and that's the molecule that's in Clarify. But then we had the, started with just cattle, and then we had to add other species on. And every time we needed to add a species on, you have to go back to EPA and show it to them that it's safe to do that with more species. So pigs got added on uh, just not too far recently, we then created a product that was a swine-only label called Clarify 267. That mm. was developed for micro-mixing uh, capabilities. So a lot of these larger swine producers who own their own feed mills do a lot of micro-mixing of their, of their feeds. So we needed a product that we didn't have to have this large inclusion per ton to allow them to easily mix it in. So Clarify is mixed in on a per-ton basis by an inclusion just like you would add any other vitamins, trace minerals or so. Is that what helped you guys really get going then, was making it so that they could do that themselves? Yes, it was. And uh, another thing that helped us along too was is through the help of uh, a few predominant nutritionists in our industry, and I'm not going to name the names of those, but they also helped us recognize that we had the inclusion uh, for the gestating sow a little higher than we really needed to be. And that was kind of stopping at the very beginning of this when I joined in 2016 with Central Matthew. It stopped people from feeding it in the gestation cells, and they only wanted to feed in lactation because the inclusion difference. And these nutritionists helped us figure out that, hey, we did not need that high inclusion rate in the Clarify and gestation. Once we got that taken care of, EPA looked at it and said, yep, you're good to go. That brought our cost much in perspective to what the industry wanted to pay on a per pig basis. Nice. And once we did, then we started helping farms out because they had flies not only in the farming rooms and the nursery, but in the gestation as well. So that we were able to feed it to a complete sow, you know, the whole yeah. entire herd at a very cost-effective rate. That's awesome. So what's your best bug story? What's your best fly story? We'll separate fly and cockroach because we're going to get to cockroach here. But so what's your best fly story? I tell you what, the best story I'm going to use is, is my first year with the company. And 
being that swine was new to the label and I was trying to add new customers, I had a past colleague who also had a finishing floor on contract in Ohio. And he had a huge problem with house life. And I mean, big problem. You walk in, you basically swallow these things. And we ran the Clarify through there, basically at no cost at first, just so that we can prove that, hey, this stuff really works. And we also own the Starbar brand, which are fly traps and baits and sprays. So I took the traps and we hung them in the barn to get an idea how many flies were actually in there. And each week we took the traps out and replaced it with new traps in the same location. And by week four, we showed a 90% reduction in the fly number just by the control of the larva cycle that was down in the pit where the flies like to lay their bed. That's probably my best fly story. Not a, it's not an eerie one, but it's one I'm proud of because then we were able to take pictures of those traps and I was able to build a marketing tool off of that to go show people, you know, not just talk about it, but then physically show them in a picture saying, hey, after four weeks of feeding Clarify, giving it a time to run through the system and through the pigs in the pit, in four weeks, this is the kind of control we get off the block. Yeah, I saw those pictures and, and everything, and it was pretty impressive. Yeah. So I, that's probably my best fly story. Sorry, anything real scary there for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit? Um, so we're going to get into biosecurity here in a bit. And um, you've talked a little bit about how IGR can help with flies. Let's let's talk here before we get into biosecurity about how effective it has been in controlling flies. You said 90% there for that customer. But what is something that people will typically see on a regular basis? I think if uh, run properly, and what we mean by run properly, so our listeners understand, is we're adding the inclusion to a ton of feet. We always ask for it to be mixed thoroughly in that mixing process. Um, after we do offer a feed analysis, so if a customer does want to get their feed checked, uh, check on the inclusions, we do that at no charge and send that to our labs in Dallas. We'll, we'll help out and make sure that we're getting the correct inclusion in on, on the feed. Um, so if it's mixed properly and we, we, we get it in and we start feeding it on time, within four weeks, you'll start noticing a difference. I'd say if it's 80% or better, you're making really good strides. Okay. So we don't make a claim on what the specific number you're going to achieve. That's hard to do with flies. It's hard to do. You don't <laughs> have to exterminate a fly. That's one thing I always tell people. You might be able to exterminate termites out of a house, but you can never exterminate a fly. So you'd say most of your flies, so over 50% should probably be be less. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. over 50% is always easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. that's correct. And the process of it is that um, generally the flies, even though they're in, indoors and are closed in swine facilities like we have today, they'll still run a natural cycle, meaning they'll get really bad in the summer, taper off in the fall, winter could be nice, springtime they start back up again so we have our customers start about two weeks in it before they feel there's going to be a fly load hitting their facility and that could vary depending on where you're in the country correct if you're yeah. in minnesota it could be a lot colder through till may versus down in tennessee or north carolina so difference in the temperatures makes that but we tend to run it two weeks before the fly bloom in the spring through the summer, generally pulling it out of the feed by Labor Day or by into October, depending on what they see on the fly list. 
And generally when a customer does that, they can get through the rest of the of the six months without having to do anything for fly control. So cockroaches have been getting a lot worse in our industry. Can you talk a bit about what the cockroach situation is and then also what you guys are doing to help with that? Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking about that too, because um, it, it, it is something that more and more producers are talking about. And now that they know we're out there with products, we've been getting more and more calls on it. Uh, it's the German cockroach. Um, there's different species of cockroaches. Uh, some down south call them the palmetto bugs, and the American roach is a very large roach. But the German cockroach is a, maybe about an inch long at the most as an adult. It kind of looks like a box elder bug, doesn't it? It's kind of yeah. small. Yeah, Correct. yeah, that's right. That's that's a good way to way to point it. People know what a box elder looks like. The roach isn't much different other than it's just all brown. Uh, they, they have the ability to fly, but they don't fly very much. Uh, they rather crawl, and they'll come out of their harborage areas to find and seek food. Uh, German cockroaches are not pit dwellers. They are not going to go down and feed on the manure in the pit like a fly would, you know, in a sow barn or a swine barn. But they'll live in crevices and cracks, doorways. Um, and the other thing is they like warmth and drop. So a lot of people tend to see roaches around breaker boxes, uh, receptacle outlets, all these new computer-controlled devices we have in the um, sow units and finishing barns. You'll tend to see roaches hiding in behind them, or they'll get into them if they can to hide well. Uh, and so they like to eat feed, and um, they'll come out at night. And But if you have an overpopulation of them, which a lot of farms I've been in here do, you'll see them during the day, too, because there's so many of them that they just get bold and they start moving around everything. So it's become a real issue in our industry. And I think with all the different feedstuffs we use today, you know, the DDGs, it's probably, you know, sweetened up the feed, if I may, or, you know, it, it attracts these kind of insects in like fruit flies and roaches in. The, and once they find this environment, nice, warm, cozy place like a fairing room, they love it. So Oh, yeah. Yeah, I walked into a farrowing room and I, I could hardly see the electrical outlets, outlets or the um, the conduit just because there were so many cockroaches. Um, so it's it's just crazy. My um, and and I'll I'll jump in this before you ask the question since we're we know each other here well. Uh, my my craziest experiences with cockroaches was in a farm that called and had issues. I went to visit. Uh, when I came into the office uh, beforehand, I talked to the manager and asked if I can you know, bring some donuts or so for employees. I like doing those kind of things if they oh, allow, no. you know, you to bring things into the farm, and they did. Uh, and when I got to the office, I noticed everybody had their clothes in bags and their shoes were bagged up. And I seen a couple roaches running around. Uh, we passed the donuts through, wiped them off with the, um, you know, the, the biosecurity. Uh, measures it took and I showered in put my clothes into a bag and by the time I got dressed and we were talking and uh out in the office area we opened up the donuts and there was already roaches inside so you know you look and say how do you ask your employees to work in this kind of environment you know oh yeah coffee cup sitting on a table with a latex glove over top of it so the roaches wouldn't climb in their coffee cup and then when we got out into the break room or into the work room, I started seeing even more roaches. But the craziest thing, and I wish I had a, the video up to show you, but we're talking right now, is we pulled out the hollow panel, creek panel that 
that are in the frame. The oh, older stone yeah. were hollow. And the manager was telling me they try to spray those things because they see some roach. Well, we picked one up and dumped it. And I bet you, this is no lie, 10,000 roaches came out of one pan. I think I saw this. Is you, you hit the ground and there was like just yep, this yep. pile, this mound of roaches came out of one of those dividing panels in a farrowing room. Yes, correct. Yes. And yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. We're seeing that more often now. It's uh, like I said, it's been another species of insect that's uh, invading, you know, the swine industry right now. Is uh, flies, dark eye fruit flies, roaches, and Indian mill moths are probably our four biggest uh, ones that invade us the most. So, can you talk a bit about the biosecurity, or I guess I better step back. How do you guys? What, so the product with Clarify is very different than the product you'd have for roaches. How do you prevent the roaches? How do you affect that population? Or Yeah, so in this instance, Matthew, what we do is um, we're not using a feed-through insect growth regulator on the roaches. We actually, through our starboard side of our business, we have adulticides, which an adulticide is basically a spray. Most people are used to those things, whether it's a fogger spray you kill flies with or... Um, a spray that you put into a uh, mist sprayer. So we have a product called uh, Lambda 9.7 CS. It's a concentrate. We mix that with another product we, we have called Exalt. That is a granular insect growth regulator that will affect the life cycle of the roach by causing it the nymphs not to reach maturity. It ruins their wings. It ruins their legs. And they just never reach maturity enough to produce eggs or to be able to breed. Hmm. And we we combine those two products and we put in a spraying table with the farm. Most cases, 90% of the time, you find the roaches in the supply rooms, the feed rooms, the office first, then the farrowing room. Um, I do I have found some ingestation, but it seems that's the least area that, that's the concern. And once we get an empty farrowing room, we use this spray with the animals not present because the labels tell you not to have the animals present. Okay. Spray down the rooms after they've been washed. All the crevice areas, the harbage areas that those roaches exist in. And then one of our fly baits called Cyanorox has also been approved to, to control roaches. And that fly bait, we can mix into a paste and you can stick it on the wall away from the animals again. And the roaches can come and eat on that. They'll carry it back to Harbridge back there and die. We're doing that in rooms that are populated with pigs. And then once the room's empty, we're using that Lambda Exalt combo as a spray. And what we do is set up with the farm to spray every turn in the farrowing room and do that twice and then go to every other turn. So it's a good six months to seven months you know, program that you do to have to control the, the cycle on it. If a, a farm misses spraying just because of something happened, not enough employees, or just plain forgot, generally, if you break that spraying up, you're going to have problems. You've got to stick with the program. It's Once a marathon. People, yeah, it is. And, and people have good success. They'll come back to us and say, hey, you know, what you guys are told us to do is really working, and we got them under control. That's awesome. So let's talk biosecurity. How sure. does flies and other bugs impact biosecurity? Well, flies especially, probably more than any of the others. Um, one thing we do know, and this is not Central Life's 
sciences information, it's university studies, that flies are known to carry over 100 different diseases that are found in humans and or animals. And the interesting thing on biosecurity was Dr. Scott D., while he was at the University of Minnesota, did some studies. Uh, the 2008 paper came out where he showed and proved that flies can leave a farm that's first positive, fly to a, another building that had PERS negative pigs in it, but found the PERS positive flies. And so we know that the flies can basically get the virus. Now, whether or not that one fly is actually spreading the disease, that's hard to prove that. But we yeah. do know they can vector, meaning that through transmission on their bodies or in their in their insides, if they suck the virus in and, and vomit it back out, that there's a possible transmission of bacteria and viruses from one place to another. Um, my colleague, Gene Spellman, who joined on the swine team a year after I was hired with Central, he worked with Dr. Grant Allison from Walcott uh, Veterinary Clinic in Iowa, and they showed that the flies can carry BED by basically doing the same thing. And with the help of Iowa State University at, the, at their diagnostic lab, we were able to take flies that we caught in our captivator traps, check the liquid, check the flies that were in a farm that was PED positive, and all the flies that we got out were all PED positive. So that's telling us the flies can pick up the virus. Yeah. And that's that's the biosecurity risk there, too, is that we know we have a vector out there. And whether or not that vector will actually cause that disease to happen is hard to prove. But what you need, and when you're building a biosecurity program, you got to look at all the tangents of what can create a biosecurity hazard. You know, mice and rodents are another. We don't work with those in particular, but we know they're, they're carriers of and you can't outrule insects as well, too, from the standpoint of, I think it should be. We know we've talked to customers and we've talked to the public about having an insect control of some type. Of course, Clarify, which feels the easiest way, but some type of biosecurity plan in place uh, or insect control to limit that possibility of a transmission of a vector disease. Yeah, I was at the Oklahoma Pork Congress about a year and a half ago, almost two years now. And they had a student that did a presentation on insect control. And this for this particular trial, they were focusing more on pigs buried. Uh, this is more of ASF study. Um, and they wanted to understand, based on the various layers of decomposition of the bodies, what insects would feed on that and then how far would they travel. And yeah, flies traveled miles yep. um, carrying viruses. And it's just, it's just incredible. Um, what a simple fly can do to just compromise millions of dollars put into biosecurity. Oh, yeah. And those uh, on the web, um, you can bring up the information on uh, Dr. Scott D's work and on Dr. Grant Allison's work. They're all published. Uh, I know Gene and Grant uh, in 2018 AASB uh, shared all that information from their works and stuff. So that's all published material. Uh, that's material I have that I can share with customers as well, too, if they're interested in reading it. Uh, an in interesting tidbit, as you brought up about the flies, uh, University of California, San Luis Obispo, did some uh, trials out with the, their big dairy farms out there in California. And 
however they did it, they put these huge nets up and stuff, and they found, uh, they marked the flies in a certain way, uh, I think through colored eyes or whatever else, and they found some flies as far as five miles away from wow. where they were released. So I don't think flies really tend to see one to be to fly that far, but if the wind's blowing and everything else, they'll just keep right on going. So that bodes in the well to, hey, what do I do in a biosecurity program? You know, I'm doing all these other things, plastic boots, foot baths, showers, downtimes, truck washes, and then lo and behold, open the door up and in flies the fly. You know, yeah. or you leave the farm after your visit, Matthew, the fly flies in your vehicle from a PERS positive farm. You drive 20 miles down the road, open your window up, and that fly, who potentially is a vector carrying it, flies back out to another. So yeah. I think people need to keep um, cognizant of that, you know, insects could be a part of that biosecurity program. Absolutely. And we appreciate you being a guest. Before we, before we uh, wrap things up, I'd like for you to answer two questions. The first one being, what's something unique about you most people in the swine industry do not know? What's unique about me? Um, I don't know. I never thought of myself as a unique person. But well, just put something well, unique about about your background. And I mean, it looks like you shot a lot of deer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am. Probably my biggest passion, though, is fishing. Um, I've uh, can't say I've fished across the world, but I've fished in various number of states and stuff like that. And my bucket list is to keep that going. Um, I caught my first permit in the Bahamas uh, uh, this past uh, Thanksgiving. We did a family trip down there. Uh, my goal was to get out and catch a good eight foot or so sturgeon out in Oregon in the Columbia River. That's on my next list. Uh, a buddy and I just went to uh, the White River in Arkansas back in February to catch brown trout. Uh, that's probably, if I don't get a chance to talk to people individually at swine shows or customers, that may not have that interest. That's probably one of my biggest loves. And next would be, uh, I know you're, we're, we're talking to each other and stuff about hunting and that deer, but spring turkey hunting is probably my next passion. And gotcha. uh, we're right on the cusp of that as you and I talk today because the Virginia turkey season opens up this weekend and I will be a part of that. <laughs> nice. Nice. So before we wrap up, what's a golden nugget that you'd like to share with listeners? Some life wisdom, uh, something you picked up along the way? Uh, I think that just one for me, and it's very basic, is is being kind to others. I just think today, when you watch the atmosphere of our country and the finger pointing and everything that's going on, I think it's just being kind because you meet people of all walks of life and you find out the beauty of all those people and just to learn a little bit about them, but being kind. And I think that when I meet producers who don't have problems with employee turnovers and those kind of things, they're feeling the same way. They're being kind to their employees and to their families and doing it. So that's probably my when I get out of bed in the morning is try to be as kind as I can. And probably during our talk, you probably heard me laugh a little bit here and there. I think laughter is probably the best medicine. that yes. anybody has. So That's great. Well, thank you for being a guest on the popular pig podcast. Uh, how can individuals get a hold of you if they have more questions? Uh, well, if they want to really look into the products that we have, 
uh, going to centralflycontrol.com is the easiest way, and that'll show you all the products we have uh, on insect growth regulator. And the other one I want to leave with people is our starbarproducts.com, which is where products for cockroaches that we talked about and other you know, fly products are on there as well, too. And um, I'm at tpastor at central.com if somebody wants to bring out to me after this podcast and yell at me or whatever they want to do, Matthew. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you. Yes, I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of this. I think your podcast are a growing success. And uh, I know I enjoyed listening to the last ones you did. Thank you for asking me to be a part. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. 